Hello, welcome to another fine edition of Chopped Greens. I am your host, Philip Amarine, and I am joined by, nay, welcomed in by Gareth Boucher. Gary, how are you this fine, fine evening? Mm, me good. Me, me very good, Philip. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I, I appreciate that. And in case you're living under a rock and don't know how to read the episode Ayo. description, <laughs> we said day. No, that was two. Uh, that was two episodes ago. We or whatever that was, Beetlejuice. Um, we don't want to go home to that one. Uh, we're we're moving in the forward. We're going forward to uh, the Crudes. Uh, Crudes. Now this is a film that I missed when it came out. I I wasn't particularly uh, intrigued by it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily find anything interesting about it when it first came out. However, however. It merited a sequel, and that sequel is coming out here uh, in the upcoming uh, time in late November, probably within a week of whenever this episode does come out. Yeah, so this, I actually had no idea that this movie existed until you suggested it, and apparently it was pretty big, big enough, like you said, to warrant a sequel. Not only a sequel, there's a TV show. There's a spinoff TV show. There is. Netflix, and... I must have been living under a rock, but I like to think that you and I are pretty aware of most things that come out. So was this some kind of alternate reality thing that we were transported back and we missed it? I don't know. You know, I I kept seeing it on Netflix. Netflix, especially having a show, I imagine, had a lot of vested interest in in advertising this film and, of course, putting forth the effort to uh, showcase that there's a second one coming. Um, And, of course, with with a rather famous cast uh it actually surprised me because even when something yeah. uh, i know we didn't actually review this film but i talked about having watched this recently even with something as close as the adams family for uh talking about another animated feature uh that that we that i watched recently i the one thing i knew about it was that it had a very impressive cast behind it and this one has not not as deep a cast as uh, the Adams family did it's very it's very top heavy yeah but it certainly holds three billable stars with Emma Stone as Eep Nicolas Cage as Grug and of course Ryan Reynolds as Guy uh and you know that that was quite uh <laughs> quite an adventure not going into this I, I knew of Nicolas Cage's involvement but I didn't know Ryan Reynolds and it bugged me the entire time and yeah. until I finally had this eureka moment where I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds, that makes so much sense. Uh, Emma Stone plays uh, Eep, who it, honestly, to be quite frank, I think we could have done oh, just just a little more. Just just a scooch more on the naming because outside of Grug, Grug was about the most <laughs> imaginative name here. Guy was, was all right. But Eep, a completely forgettable name. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, we can get into more things that are forgettable, but yeah, Grug definitely sticks more. I don't remember anyone else's name other than Grug and Eep, and maybe Douglas, the alligator dog. Yeah, right, right. Actually, Grug was actually used in conjunction. I don't know if it was premeditated. I don't know if it was just happened to be a happy coincidence. Whatever it was, it was actually part of like the, the lone kudos and like aha moment for me as far as writing goes for this film with... Uh, hug rhymes with grug like that that was an actually a quite perfect oh. that was one of my 
moments where I was I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a great recall. I it actually hit home with me. It was an emotional moment. Way to go, and uh, and kudos to them for that. Uh, but yes, uh, why don't we start with you, Gary? Uh, upon first viewing of this film that we we both kind of missed, but it, it merited a, a sequel. How, what are some of your opening thoughts of when when you think of of this film? So, I think of a sandwich uh, with delicious bread and not a lot on the inside. Great mm. start, great ending. The middle, the the big chunk of it, you know, falls quite short for me, which I'm sure we'll get into. But you know, to start off, I had no idea what to expect. Um, it opens great and immediately because you know some animated movies take more liberty with how crazy the world is and this one has a nice pairing of it's i don't want to call it historical fiction but you know what i mean it's like it's it's a riff on on prehistoric times but from that egg stealing sequence really fun really well done Uh, i think it's a great easy digestible understandable start for these characters oh yeah there's a bunch of cave people who live in a cave and there's a rebellious teenage daughter who needs to get out in the world. Very easy themes for any child of any age to understand, which, let's be honest, we're, I'm going to criticize it, but this movie is for kids, and it's a great movie for kids. Um, Unapologetically for kids, which is yes. is what it is. That, that It's for in that kids, genre. But also, they do a good job of having like some genuinely funny running gags and moments for adults. <laughs> like, yes, yes. The, the thing that kept me going in the middle part was the fact that there were like you know some jokes that really caught my attention that I thought were not just kid movie well done but actually really funny like I was like ah oh, I wish I could write that joke that was great um but yeah overall like I said we'll dive into it strong start very strong finish some great visuals yeah. by the way I was like wow this is really beautiful in in a lot of parts but not a lot there in the middle for me kind of lost me a little bit so that's where I'm at yeah you touched on a lot of good issues um I th- I think I think for me let I I want to start with with this and it's it's kind of on its built upon story where for me uh it's very hard to critique and review kids films that are actually really intended for kids uh Pixar has kind of created a, a its own art form and new wave where they alone will host equally a film that is for kids that is also as equally entertaining and fun for adults. They are very rare, and that's part of what makes Pixar held to such the high standard that it is. Uh, and this, yeah. and this, it, it really isn't that. So again, with that in mind, I, I have to kind of revert myself back to some more basic level and be like, okay, as a kids' movie, is this is this more along the line of uh, whatever that polar bear fi- polar bear film that. Uh, I think it was like Paul the Polar Bill, uh, Bear, Bear, my goodness, uh, film that recently came out. I have no uh, idea what that even is. <laughs> exactly. I think it was starred Alec Baldwin or something. I'll, I'll research it later and, and tell you. But uh, is it more along those lines or is it more of, um, is it etching towards Pixar? Does it surpass Pixar? It's 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 more, uh, appropriately so, it's more of the boss mm. baby type where it just, it's, it kind of, yeah. it kind of just, appeals to its kid audience and and there we go and that's what it is what's frustrating though is that it could get close to pixar level like especially there's a few really great moments in the last 10 15 minutes of the movie that are 
you know, in theory on par with a lot of the Pixar moments, but there's just not enough going on before to where I really feel it as an adult viewer, you know? You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, even even with that same studio, it, it there is a bit of a divisiveness where there's How to Train Your Dragon, which kind of accomplishes that that feat uh, for both audiences. Yeah. But this one, this one more plays and panders towards its child audience. What I, but my, my immediate issue with this, and I, I think that this kind of somewhat pierces through to any age, is actually I have a problem with with you know the the supporting main character if such a thing exists uh, of Grug, which is Nicolas Cage, uh, in a oh, yeah. in a voice role. I actually did not think Nicolas Cage whatsoever fit into this into this role. I mean, yes, did he have a few zany moments that Nicolas Cage actually fit the villain? Yes, and that was that was quite nice quite good and and it felt absolutely appropriate to have Nicolas Cage fulfill that role but his his silky smooth voice really time and time again actually distracted me more so than brought me into the character and I'm immediately releasing myself into this world it actually it was it was pulls you out it pulls you exactly it pulls you out of the film and unabashedly lets you know that Nicolas Cage is an actor and just his voice is <laughs> is being in this film rather than okay this is a family and and let's like kind of like look at how it looks and everything yeah. no it was it was so smoky it was yes everyone get behind me and let's go down <laughs> into the cave into the cave let's go into the cave Eve. the bees the bees and and Eve, it, get down from there yeah Eve, Eve, you got down from there like it it I'm glad that you pointed this out, man, because I I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, I've never watched an animated movie and had a voice stick out to me in this way. Of course, you know, like in Toy Story, you've got like Don Rickles and all these great voice actors, but they fit perfectly. Like, yes. And I'm I'm not going to be a Nicolas Cage hater because we all know he's weird, but I came in with an open mind. But I was like, this really is like distracting to me. Absolutely. Like it's not good. It's not good. I, I love Nicolas Cage. This is no in, in no means an indictment on Nicolas Cage. It's actually just, just an indictment. Just work. Yeah, just an indictment yeah. on the casting. Um so so that would be probably overall in the entire film my biggest problem with it. Uh but beyond that, let's let's go to uh to a couple of next steps. Everybody else everybody else does just just fine. Like I, I, I have no problems here and there. Yeah. Um my next, uh, my next step of of reviewing this film, I you, there was an entirely fun beginning egg chase sequence. I thought that, that was like, you you worded it great, fun, but honestly, <laughs> until we see that first moment of the jungle that's hiding behind the cave that gets destroyed, that they all would have died in, yada yada yada. Until we see that moment, I thought that the graphics and again. Far be it from me to critique anybody on the graphics, but my it, it looked pretty bad. I thought like when no, they're it's, in... yeah, it's weird. No, I, I was gonna say because when you get to those moments, it's shocking because it feels different from what came before. Like it 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 didn't felt I hadn't felt that jarring since what I imagined audiences felt in Wizard of Oz, where we're going from <laughs> <laughs> from dark and white to like lush green, colorful. And I I don't know if it was just like I don't know if it was just that they were ramping up. Or if that was like, oh yeah, we got to do the beginning, and and it was just afterthought, or they wasted their budget on the the great world that they created afterwards, that they had to traverse through, and they had all these imaginative animals and everything. But my God, like thank God you actually cared enough about the people in the beginning to get you through that beginning part, because until you leave that cave, until you leave, and I get it, it's supposed to be dredge and deerful, but 
my goodness, it was it was just bland, and it actually wasn't good animation. I thought. I thought no, that the yeah. entire animation kicked up a level once we got to the to the forest. I, I don't know. It's like, are, are you guys trying to really pound in that sense of wonder by w- literally pouring in more money into certain <laughs> sequences than others? Because, yeah, I mean... When, Bold when move, they go, Cotton. Bold move. Right. <laughs> so it pays off, right? Like, they, they go off to the top of the tree, like, when they see the stars or at the end, you know, and all these wondrous moments. It looks really cool. But, yeah, I, I remember also being like, this is... What, why isn't the whole movie look this good? Because, you know, animated movies lately, we've seen it from end to end, look ridiculously, absurdly amazing. I mean, Toy Story 4 was, like, freaky how good it looked. And and the Croods had a few moments, like, especially when when Eep first chases the fire and meets Guy. Yeah. The animation kicks up. And I'm like, what? We, we just went from, like, 720 to 4K. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned it when she's chasing for the fire. I felt like there were a lot of of great moments that I think a lot of people could take for granted where there's that sense of discovery because we take, uh, mm. especially kids, I think that I think that they can resonate with that idea a lot more of discovery, of finding things new. So I actually appreciated uh, on both a, 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 a world development and on an appealing to your audience uh, of that sense of discovery and bewilderment on not just things that we also as an audience member found new, like flying turtles or whatever. Like, of course, they're like, you know, that's wow, that's crazy. But yeah, uh, but even something like fire uh, and uh, I, I forget, like they were like in traps and and the miscellaneous other fun tidbits that they had. I mean, they had stuff like. Uh, you know, all right, kids, don't go, don't forget to go and sharpen your teeth, and you know, and all that stuff, and let's take a bath. But the bath Taking was the just, bath, just beating the dust off. Just, of just beating the dust off of them. It was, it was actually quite delightful. I, yeah, uh, stuff like that definitely kept me vested in where other things took me out, and uh, it, it was nice to find little nuggets of wit in throughout the film that that really did well to hearten me. I don't, I don't know. Upon further review, if I like, I don't think I would ever want to watch this again. I don't think that I would ever want to, um, <laughs> maybe like advise people to go watch it. And does it does it automatically oblige me to go want to see the second one, like something like Finding Nemo, or uh, even again How to Train Your Dragon? Because that's again we're working in the same studio, so somewhat similar standards. Does it urge me to go see the second Crudes? I have a tough time reaching reaching that. How about you, Gary? Yeah, no. It. I mean, I don't know how they milked a whole TV show out of this. Was it really that popular? I mean, yeah. The the TV show. I actually. I I was when I when you see the similar titles and you see the TV show. I was like, is there really that much material left on that bone on that on that chicken yeah, you know let's... chicken fried trap? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. There's, you know, a potential for they're in this new world and, you know, they can go on all these wacky adventures. But, yeah, there's there's lots of great visual <clears throat> and, and witty gags, which I, I thought was fun. I'm, I'm definitely a geek about prehistoric times, and it was cool on the one hand to make it funny and also really share that sense of wonder to be with the characters on that journey of discovering fire, discovering shoes and stuff like that. But that can only, like, sustain for so long because... First of all, let me just say the main character of this movie changes like four times. You know, they can't decide if it's Grug or if it's Eep because at first you or think even it's Guy Eep. or Guy, yeah. But truly, it's like we're we're given. I mean, okay, so Eep 
it, she opens the movie with her narration. 99.9% of the time, the character who opens and says, hi, I'm Eep, that, she's the main character. But no, she. I mean, it ends up being Grug. Grug ends up having the biggest arc, which is fine, certain, but certain. it it changes like three times in the course of the movie. Like Eep carries us up until, you know, she, um, once they get into the new world, then Grug and Guy kind of take over. And then Eep is literally just in the background and then it's her again and then it's Grug again. And it bugged me. I'm like, so who, whose journey are we on? You know where I felt like the biggest awareness of that problem happened for me was when they all separated towards the end on the last third of the film and they all separated and we stayed with Grug. I, I honestly didn't know if I could make a stronger case of whether that was right or whether that was the wrong path, where I would have felt more appropriate had had we gone and gone with Eep uh, as the final one and like trailed with her through the through the smoke and then just seen it all crumble. And then eventually he makes a surprise return that we all knew would happen. And then just like kind of like get a recount of what happened of what he did. As opposed to as opposed to what actually played through and we stayed with him until he had an idea. Which Speaking of Grug having an idea, earlier in the film when he's trying to mimic and reciprocate Guy, was was the Grug idea sequence necessary or completely unnecessary? I, I I both enjoyed it and I also hated every aspect of that of that sequence. There's a few sight gags, but it feels really clunky. Like it <laughs> I I I'm not into it. I I was enjoying when he put the paint on the dude's face and smacked him, and he said, "This is a photo." But then snapshot. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, it was just weird, man. And then you add Nicolas Cage into it, and it's like, what movie am I watching right now? This is so unnecessary. Uh and and uh, and we go throughout the rest of the film. There's a lot of great recalls, like with the birds and how he actually escapes, and and it may. <laughs> You know, it, it felt kind of weird. This felt like the, <laughs> if we're looking at Ice Age as being like the one of the pillar stones of DreamWorks, maybe this was on the other side of the Ice Age of where, you know, the the, the Native people kind of like went to the other side of the mountain and this was like their story. Mm. I really don't know what it was because it, so, it was such a weird concept for a film because I, I never, while I both expected everything to happen one step ahead, for as, for the complete arc of the story, it just completely felt just mangled together and mashed together and i think it's because while they put an emphasis on the family i I, my takeaways from the film are one he both hated and loved the grandma we like that was for certain that was nice um that was funny that that always was was delightful to come back to how many times are we going to play the gag of the mother-in-law sucks and I wanted to die? Uh, it was funny like the first four times and then I was like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. First four times, it was it was quite delightful. Um, they're like, we, we need a laugh. Just make a joke about the dead grandma. And then all of a sudden, all these side characters who are like, like the, what is it? The tiger, or the cat thing. I was like, do we need every single pet that came back? I mean, yes, I felt Douglas dying was, was a bit heavy once you felt like the repercussions of all that. And he just like roll over and then he falls to his death. I was like, oh, wow, they went all the way with it. But then it kind of undercuts it towards the end when they save him again. Mm-hmm. And then now we, and now we come back with a sequel and now we're going to have 20 pets to now share the spotlight along with. I think it really yeah. took away from the shining character development you did with uh, with with Belt. I thought Belt was quite was a great character, like a sloth-like yes. character who was not quite developed into a sloth and and just had a lot of of moments to really define his own in a in a film seeking character development. 
Yeah, see, if, if this is Pixar, um, Grug saves Douglas, and that's it. That's the only animal that returns at the end. They did not know when to push and pull their punches. And my thing is, like, after, you know, the world starts to end and they get into the jungle out of the, the cave land, mm-hmm. there I have no sense about what we're working towards. There was never a clear goal stated for me it was like you know guy kind of wanted he never stated that he was taking them to the sun until way later in the movie so we don't know what we're working towards grug just wants to do what guy is not doing and there and then eep just kind of disappears she's like oh guy is hot and interesting and i want to follow him and there was no motivation strong enough for me to make the reconciliation at the end with Grug and Guy making peace and Grug and Eat making peace that did not feel earned because the middle 45 minutes feels like we're just kind of meandering and they're they're keeping the audience into it by showing us fantastic creatures and funny little sequences. But otherwise, I was like, what are we doing right now? Where, Where are we going? And this sounds like super negative. The ending has great payoff, but it could be even more if there was a way stronger middle. Absolutely. Uh, it just feels so weird. I think, oh God, I just I there 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 seemed to be a fair amount of potential for this, and and that surprised me because upon yeah. first looking on this, I was not entirely excited, but coming away from it, I was actually slightly disappointed. I was like, well, I I think I think that that was a good film, in search of of more development, and um and th- yeah. and that's quite sad because I I I thought that it had a, a few good good uh, embers. Of which to build a, a truly creative flame out of that entire story, and yet it it kind of continued to disparage itself. And and while I may say that this isn't worthy of being Nicolas Cage's second sequel ever, um, wow, I, really? Yeah, it's only a second one. Do you happen to know the first one? Um, the only other one, <laughs> The Wicker Man Two. No, <laughs> I, no, no I know, right? I know. You you uh, think go- it's something ridiculous, but Ghost- you actually Ghost Rider. Uh oh, mm. I don't think he did Ghost Rider more than once. Did right? He? Did oh man, now now you're making me think. But the first, well, what was I, yours? The the one was National Treasure. Oh, a dope series, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, I but, don't think that he did another Ghost Rider though. I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to find that out. You, the viewer. <laughs> right, right. You, the the listener in this yeah, in this case, Gary. Um. But yeah, no, uh, it, it's interesting, uh, a film, uh, if you go into this and you want to identify with like the little brother, forget about it. You're not going to even think at all about being, I mean, I, I don't even think I remember his name. Do Thwack? Is that his name? Thwack? Thug or th- uh, something like Thwa that. Thwack or something. Yeah. The mother, completely forgettable in this film, which. Yeah, which, you know, she was my aha moment. I was like, is that, that sounds like Catherine Keener. And then I was like, that is Catherine Keener. Oh, yeah. How could you guys waste Catherine Keener? She's amazing. It's, uh, this, this film, I think, would have been better serviced had we, and, and a lot of films actually animated, animated wise. But I think we could have certainly done better had we had a cast of characters that we didn't know, just had the story, maybe upped the graphics in the beginning. But with all that being said, Gary and I, I'm I'm just espousing aloud. I'm just thinking aloud as we say this. Do you think? Do you? 
what age would probably best be serviced by this film? Because I do think it's still a fu- uh, a good film. I wouldn't. I don't think it's great for anybody. But what? Like my sister, no, because she's around. She's in her her late teens, just turned uh, sixteen. But like what? Like a like a ten year old? Would you say is like a ten year old like loving this film? Uh, so here's my thing, man. Like. You touched on it before. There's a lot of animated movies that are geared towards kids and adults. And I think that since Pixar has been so successful with that, most animated movies try to do that. Like, I think it's pretty rare that we get something maybe like Angry Birds or something that's, you know, just for for kids. I think that most movies want to market themselves to be at least watchable for parents. But I think that and kids aren't dumb. Like, you know, of course, I mean, kids gravitate towards Pixar movies because they're better. Um, and the stories are great. Of course, they can. You can sit them down in front of Angry Birds for two hours, and they'll enjoy it. But they get I something else. About Angry Birds. I, That's so right? right. Yeah. I would say, I would say maximum probably like eleven or twelve. Um, after that, mm, I think that kids can start to be disinterested in it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's uh, that's probably a good. What, a good cave entrance for us to walk into and just uh, slap our red fist onto the wall and say, how, how, many, how many red fingers of death does this, fi- does this uh, cave get? Does it even deserve a slap? Yeah, so, and I mean, it's been a lot of focusing on, on the negative, but truly there are some, you, you touched on it, the hug moment, and some beautiful moments, some big payoffs that could be even bigger if it was better in the middle. I'm going to actually give it a three because I laughed a good amount. And even though I was bored in the middle, putting it in the lens of younger folk, I think that a family sitting down in front of the TV on a Friday night during COVID could put this on and have a good time. So I'll give it a three. Yeah, absolutely. If I could give two fingers and like a, like a bent knuckle and break my finger because of just how much I I don't want it, it get, it get that slap on the wall. Uh, so I go with two and a, two and a half to three. It's, it's beautiful. Once we get to a certain point, uh, well, it, it's certainly more appealing, uh, digestible. And you're right. There are funny moments. There are moments of ludicrousness that I, I absolutely enjoyed. And uh, it, it, it's, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's forgettable. Yes. I don't think it deserved a sequel. But hey, very you know, okay. Very yeah. The definition of of meh. So there you have it. Uh, I, th- uh, and, uh, you know what, a short, a short episode for a short film, uh, and, uh, to all, uh, in- to all that watch it, enjoy it, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. All right. For. Gary. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Just look up on Instagram and everything else. Gary. I'm Philip Emmer. And thank you so much for listening to another edition of Chopped Greens. Please stay tuned later in the week for the subsequent Give Me Five episode to follow this. And remember, folks, release the baby! <laughs> <laughs>